Yes, you are listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Tuesday, January the 21st in the year of our Lord, 2020. Now, normally on a Tuesday, we begin with a hymn, but in light of the fact that yesterday was ML King celebration and we did not have a live program on KFUO, and also, though Mark Smith has retired, he's still on assignment today, so he's unable to make it in. So on this Tuesday, we're going to do two things. We're going to talk about the text for a sermon this coming Sunday from Matthew chapter 4. And we're also going to deal with the hymn that is assigned for this Sunday, O Christ our true and only light. I've got four items I have to do this morning. One of them is on the radio program. The second is preaching here at the International Center. So we're going to have you listen to the hymn uh, just before I go to preaching. It gives me some time to get down there and get ready for that. So without further ado, for this third Sunday after the Epiphany, which will be January the 26th, 2020, let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Now, when he heard, and he is Jesus, that John had been arrested he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, there's a lot we know about the history of Jesus. Uh, We know he was born in Bethlehem, uh, that he had lived in Nazareth until this time. But why would they be talking about that he goes to Capernaum uh, by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali? What's Zebulun and Naphtali? Well, they're actually originally part of the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, When they came into the promised land, Zebulun and Naphtali were given an area just west of of the Jordan near the Sea of the Mediterranean. And they were kind of isolated from the rest. And so when the Assyrians came and took away the ten tribes, they were the first to be taken into captivity. And we still don't know what happened to those ten tribes. We're unaware of Oh, there's a lot of scholarly advice as to what happened to them. But we do know that they were very weak and they were looked down upon. You know, every city has an area that people don't like traveling at night when they are alone. That was kind of Zebulun and Naphtali. So part of the problem was, and knowing that he went to Capernaum, This was really a lot of Gentiles in that area. Gentiles, of course, were not Jews. So at the time of Jesus, even though the two tribes were no longer there, there had been intermarriage with Gentiles, and therefore 
that was an area of Gentiles. Now, why would Jesus move there? We've often said that Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross. He knew he was going to be raised from the dead. Did he know that because of his omniscience? Well, partly, but he also knew it because he read the Old Testament. And that's what Matthew does. Remember, Matthew is writing to Jews, and so he rarely, like John, uh, explains what a Hebrew word means, like uh, Messiah and so forth. Because the Jews knew what the Messiah was, who he was. But John has the point of reminding his Jewish readers that Jesus was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy again and again. And sure enough, Jesus moves to Capernaum in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Matthew continues in verse 14 of chapter 4. So that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Then he quotes him. This is from Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. This is really important to understand that Jesus would often preach to those who had a darkness either in their past or in their present because they're the ones who needed to see the light of the day. And how would you like to be uh, in the land where you were the first taken into captivity by the Assyrians? Now, the two tribes in Jerusalem weren't taken into captivity until the Babylonian captivity in 587 B.C. But these were taken much earlier. And so, therefore, they were people living in darkness. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The other thing that we find very interesting, it is from these two areas that Jesus finds disciples. Verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, and he's called Peter. Remember the stone, Petros, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, you wonder, why would these individuals who are fishermen, and in fact in the uh, next verse, 21, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, in the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat, and their father they left, and they followed Jesus. 
Why would they do that? Well, you may remember that Scripture interprets Scripture. And there's another passage where John the baptizer is with two of his disciples, and they become the disciples of Jesus. And he looks at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God, who's come to take away the sins of the world. Then the two disciples follow Jesus, find out where he's staying, goes there at 10 in the morning until late that day to listen to Jesus. So I I believe that these disciples who were fishing at that time knew about Jesus, had heard what he had to say, and therefore when he says to them, follow me, they follow him. I will make you fishers of men. And see, and that's the, the goal. In fact, in Isaiah 9, where Matthew quotes, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So this is very important, that Jesus came for the purpose of going to the people in darkness. He even says that, There's no need for me to deal with someone who doesn't feel that they are ill. Uh, The Pharisees didn't think they were ill with sin. But I go to the ill in order to cleanse them. And that was the mission not only of Jesus, but it's a mission of his church. And for a law and gospel program that this is, Matthew 4.23 really hits the nail on the head. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And in fact, he had great crowds following him, verse 25, from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So that's how Jesus was getting a reputation. As it says, he had a good reputation, not only with God, but also with the people. Because they had never heard preaching like Jesus was preaching. He was talking about the law in a way that they had never really realized uh, the Sermon on the Mount's a good example. Uh, by the way, you've heard that those who murder shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, do you ever have a bad thought? Oh, oh yeah. Do you ever say a bad word against someone? Yes. Then that also makes you in danger of the judgment. That's why we fear God, because of our sin and what God could do. And that's why the message of the gospel is so important. Because what is the message of the gospel? The gospel really regards the promises connected to the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ in that he paid for your sins, he dresses you in the robe of his righteousness 
So he prepares you for heaven. So Matthew 4 is a wonderful passage in talking about what Jesus is preaching about and why he goes to the Galilees, uh, or I should say to the Gentiles in Galilee, in this land of darkness, because that's his purpose, is to save those who are in darkness. Then, even though Mark Smith is unable to be with us today, we're still going to take a look at the hymn assigned for this coming Sunday. It's, O Christ, our true and only light. It's written by Johann Hiermann. And this is one of the Song of Tears it's referred to in a hymnal published in 1630. Because Herman's hymns were written during the Thirty Years' War. That was from 1618 to 1648. And that was when, of course, uh, the Roman Catholics and the Lutherans and the Reformed were fighting each other. In fact, it's uh, explained a little bit by his translator. When we consider the many kinds of trials, sufferings of body and soul, under which many would have lost courage and given up in despair, then Hearman's hymns loom up before us among the most exalted of spiritual poems. Now, the background of this hymn is not exactly an original with Johann, but it's based on a prayer, and the heading of that prayer is Toward Averting the Destructive Schism of the Christian Religion. That document appeared in a booklet issued by Philip Cagle from Hamburg in 1592. Now, little did Hearman know that the prayer on which he based his hymn was actually a prayer by a Roman Catholic Jesuit named Peter Brillmacher for the return of what he considered to be the faithless and misled Protestants who had forsaken the Roman Catholic faith. But that wasn't in the mind of Hearman when he wrote his hymn because he wanted to stop the destructive schism of the Christian religions. And, and today, it's used in congregations who sing it as a fitting and beautiful prayer on behalf of home and foreign missions. So it's really a mission and witness home. Now let me uh, read a few sections to help you understand. The first line or stanza. O Christ, our true and only light, enlighten those who sit in night. Let those afar now hear your voice and in your fold with us rejoice. You can understand why this is considered to be part of what Matthew's talking about, that Jesus moves away from Nazareth to an area where there are Gentiles living in darkness. And so the prayer of this hymn is that they may be enlightened 
because they're sinning at night. And let those afar off now hear your voice. Stanza 2. Fill with the radiance of your grace the souls now lost in error's maze. Enlighten those whose inmost minds some dark delusion haunts and blinds. Now, you can understand that written by a Roman Catholic against the Protestants, but is also written by the Protestants and sung by the Protestants against any false teacher. Verse 3, O gently call those gone astray, that they may find the saving way. Let every conscience sore oppressed in you find peace and heavenly rest. So we're not to be really strong against these people saying, boy, if you don't change, you're going to go to hell. No, we do it in a gentle call because the gospel is gentle good news. Shine on the darkened and the cold. Recall the wanderers to your fold. Unite all those who walk apart. Confirm the weak and doubting heart. Now that definitely Johann Hermann wrote because unite all those who walk apart, Roman Catholic and Protestant. Final uh, stanza. That they with us may evermore such grace with wandering thanks adore and endless praise to you, that's God, be given by all your church in earth and heaven. It's a wonderful hymn talking about mission and witness. Now, I didn't mention this, but we sure would have mentioned it had Mark been here. It's translated by our favorite translator, Catherine Winkworth, who died in 1878. So, at this time, we're going to play for you uh, the hymn, and it's got a little prelude introduction, because I'm preaching in chapel today. Uh, You can hear my sermon. Uh, It begins about 12 minutes from now on KFUO. And remember, tomorrow we'll be taking a look at another Bible verse talking about the epiphany of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, Until then, we say to you, God bless as you listen to the hymn.
Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.